0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Trinity Podcast. I'm glad you're listening. This is a podcast for Lynchburg, for Trinity Episcopal Church, and for you, wherever you are. I'll have some Trinity-specific announcements through the way, but this is mostly about the Psalms, the Bible's prayer book and mixtape. So enjoy this, share with a friend, and let me know what you think over email at gail at dot onecom Lent is almost here. Uh, Lent is traditionally a time when we echo how early Christians took Lent as a season of preparation for baptism at the Easter Vigil, just before celebrating Jesus' resurrection. We do that by taking on spiritual practices. In my early 20s, I definitely treated this like a second New Year's for self-improvement, so it's been exciting to recover the spiritual growth aspect of discipleship. Our faith does not depend on us keeping our spiritual practices well or correctly, but rather in our trust and worship of God, which is something that spiritual practices can do a beautiful job of lighting the way for and making this real in our daily lives. So, you know, you don't have to give up the chocolate. I'm very into taking something on, and if you're looking for ideas, I would love to talk about this. I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm doing. I'm forgiving someone. I'm slow. I'm not Christ and I'm grateful to have Christ's example to follow here. I'm reading a book a week. This means spending my time intentionally, setting aside time in the evenings, and uh, you know, I'm a millennial, spending less time on my phone. I'm also sharing in the practice of parish and community with you. More to follow about our community Lenten conversations. Anyway, here's Psalm 2. Psalms, what are they? We'll always begin with a general introduction. Last week, a comedian. This week, Walter Brueggemann, a tremendous scholar of the Hebrew Bible, whose work I love because he's always illuminating how it speaks into our contemporary situation. He writes devotionals, he writes culture commentary, and he says this in his book, Praying the Psalms. The Psalms, with a few exceptions, are not the voice of God addressing us. They are rather the voice of our own common humanity gathered over a long period of time, but a voice that continues to have amazing authenticity and contemporaneity. It speaks about the way life really is. For, those in, for in those deeply human dimensions, the same issues and possibilities persist. And so when we turn to the Psalms, it means we enter into the midst of that voice of humanity and decide to take our stand with that voice. We are prepared to speak among them and with them and for them to express our solidarity in this oh this is such a great phrase anguished joyous human pilgrimage we add a voice to the common elation shared grief and communal rage that besets us all end quote i heard an echo of this idea while i was listening to a podcast about the history of disco and it talked about the shift between rock and disco the shift between say like watching robert plant front led zeppelin the individual performance to a near total focus and centering on the experience of the crowd dancing together. You know, something like Love Train. The experience of faith and the experience of what God is doing by people like us is the center of the Psalms, the experience of the response. All right, Psalm 2. Let's hear it old school in the Revised Standard Version. Why do the nations conspire, and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder, and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath, and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, with trembling. Kiss his feet, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. What is Psalm two about? Theodicy, AKA the problem of a good God and a very real evil. Psalm one is about Israel and our faithfulness. Psalm two is about the faith of the nations broadly. I hear the nations as if it is used uh, like similar to the Gentiles, a very acts of the apostles way rather than an atlas and map way. In her commentary on Psalms 1 through 50, Ellen Cherry, the theology professor at Princeton Seminary, acknowledges that the policies of, quote, empire conquest, revenge, and violence disturb us when read as scripture, until we remember that the poems are addressed to or about God, not from, end quote, and all of that is entirely within our history and humanity. The King James Version translates the first line as, Why do the heathen rage? And this line pops up in post-colonial scholarship for having been a way that so-called heathen nations are contrasted with so-called godly ones for seeking Christendom. But I think we are all sinners. Let me know if you aren't. So it bears out the unlikeliness of a nation achieving such. I really do love a theme of everyone being implicated, and therefore eligible for grace. So, generally, it's definitely possible to hear this psalm and be like, hmm, not what I expected from the psalms, and I'm uncomfortable with it. There are three ways to interpret this passage. One, in hope of conversion. Two, in hope of the Messiah. Three, in hope of the end of times. Let's talk about it. Ellen Cherry's commentary is pro the evangelism interpretation. Let's hear the case for it. She says, not only are they clinging to the teachings that God mapped out for them in the Torah, but they also have to live into God's call to bring the nations to him. Uh, She says, God puts a stressful second burden upon Israel in Psalm 2. Israel's faithfulness, even in circumstances that may feel like abandonment, is essential for establishing God's reign over the nations of the earth administered by the anointed king she as scholars do trash talks the other interpretations she says it's unlikely on its own terms that this poem is about the messiah it's not clear that israel harbored messianic hopes at this time because it was a time of relative peace Uh, within israel messianism arises under repressive conditions and here israel is the power holder she says christian messianic hope is a longing for personal redemption from sin and guilt. And in this Psalm, those seeking redemption are seeking release from God's claim on them, not their sin. Strong case, but you know what? I'm still into the other interpretations. We hear God's promise about the end of times in uh, verse six. I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. My holy hill here clues us in that this is about the end of time, not about modern governance or politics. And this is a favorite image of mine in scripture, the holy hill, the holy mountain. Jerusalem is on an elevation, but this specific image adds um, more of an eternal texture to it. Let's hear about it in Isaiah. Uh, Here's Isaiah 11. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then in Isaiah 25, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. That's such a beautiful passage. It's so affecting. Death swallowed up forever. This vision of an eternal feast. You may have heard it as part of the Episcopal Church's burial service. I remember reading this one at my grandmother's funeral, and I. every time I read it, I kind of return to the profoundness of hearing this promise in that moment third and final interpretation of Psalm 2 it's about Jesus okay Psalm 2 didn't really sound like a heavy hitter of scripture and then you go looking for it and it's in Acts of the Apostles twice so um, scholars refer to Luke and Acts as by the same author same volume same style and register of Greek Um, presumed to be the same author strong case for it so Luke Acts Acts 13 Paul is in Antioch he's at the temple on the Sabbath and the leaders of the synagogue say brothers if you have a word of exhortation for the people please speak okay like imagine you're at church and the preacher just calls on you like hey you got a short sermon in you let's go uh, but Paul, uh, Paul's the man for the occasion, uh, doesn't really turn down any chance to uh, proclaim the gospel. So he gets up, he gives a recap of God's salvation history and ends with Jesus and Psalm 2. He cites it saying, we tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second Psalm, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in Paul's midrash in the temple, we hear the difference between the scholarly interpretation of Psalm 2 and the Christian preachers. This is Paul's proclamation of the gospel, that God's work in the world happens in his son, that we can read the hope of Jesus in this passage. The Psalms are poetry, uh, the meaning is multivalent, and... We read them not only as Hebrew literature but also with the assurance of knowing that Christ was foretold in Scripture. We also hear it as part of a prayer as the disciples pray with Peter and John after they had been detained and questioned by the sanhedrin and this is a fearful moment. this is just after this is just after Jesus has uh, been resurrected, he spends forty days with the disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. Uh, the disciples gather really fearfully um, uh, in an apartment building in the city and they just they just wait. They're told to wait for a sign and uh, the Feast of Pentecost. Um, everyone is in Jerusalem for the Festival of Weeks and um, what we celebrate as Pentecost happens. Everyone is all in one place uh, there's a mighty rushing wind, people see tongues of fire above each other's heads, and no matter what language they're speaking in, they can understand each other. And then, like, okay, what a comedian. Peter has to be like, hey, this is happening, we're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. Uh, you know, and that's that's just a wonderful reminder back to us, if we think that everyone in the Bible. Um, that we read about in scripture was always serious faithful Um, it's just a reminder that there is some really wonderful stand up comedy there so Pentecost the gift of the Holy Spirit the inspiration for the church has happened and its leaders are detained there's this sense of fear like is this stopping before it before it even begins. And so here's what they, here's how this moment goes. Uh, Acts 4, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen now lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant jesus and the story continues after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly i think luke recognizes an interesting element of psalm 2 there are specific people and real threats to those who try to live the kingdom life and we hear this that it's a response to prayer that's really reassuring the place was shaken okay that sounds disorienting I feel like I would get seasick but I also hear that even if I don't feel like my prayers are shaking the room I'm in God has given prayer that effect somewhere else and that we can ask boldly and god sends the holy spirit to be with us we're never alone let's close by looking at verse 11 serve the lord with fear okay someone reading this at the time it was written would hear a word closer to awe than like a modern negative connotation of fear I think it's a useful reminder of a sense of God that we can be too scared to look at. We know God loves us, forgives us, comforts us, keeps us safe and holds us near. But in the Lord's prayer, when we're saying kingdom and power and glory, that is more tremendous than we can know. And I think it's worth thinking about and it's worth sitting with that emotion that this is too tremendous for us to know. Um, and trying to connect with that sense of awe. And you know what, after all that, I am really grateful that this psalm ends with, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. A few Trinity specific uh, things to know and thank yous. So we had a really fun coffee hour Uh, on Zoom before participating in the diocesan service to wrap up convention. Uh, I got to spend convention with the youth group, and uh, we said compliment together the first night, and right before we did, um, this kid just said, like, I'm so thankful to get to pray with other people, and it was a really sweet moment. I think there were there were about sixty youth on the call, and uh, you know what? They've got great Zoom manners, so everyone was muted, but you can just kind of see like that sincerity, like catch everyone right in the feels. Yeah, I'm really thankful to get to pray with other people. What a great moment! Um, so, looking ahead, uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up for Lent. Uh, You'll see it in the mail. You'll hear it here. You'll see it in the weekly email, which is transitioning to MailChimp for uh, some visually easy layout soon. So keep track of all that and looking forward to it. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Let's talk about the Psalms together. I think Every, uh, because I do want to uh, keep this asynchronous, um, so you can fit it in with your schedule, wherever you are. But gosh, it would be so nice to talk about the Psalms with other people, so let's, uh, I'll advertise like a monthly Zoom where we can get together and do this. Uh, Save up your thoughts, questions, and reflections, email them to me, save them for the Zoom, whichever. I'm really looking forward to it. We're back to the sanctuary this Sunday. We're always continuing with our stream on Facebook Live. See you in worship, whichever way you do it. And let's close in prayer with the Collect of the Week. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things, both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people and in our time, grant us your peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God,